0: Let's play a game. Is it worth it? Hello again and welcome to yet another edition... Is It Worth It? Now, if this is the first time you've ever listened to the show, I'm an offshoot of the retro RPG show you would normally listen to, but I don't always talk about RPGs. I typically talk about rare and valuable games, often both. Hi, I'm your host, Blaine J., and today, well, a little different today, I decided Instead of talking about one game, I'm going to talk about a plethora of games. Now, if you're anywhere in the age bracket, uh, in which I am, which is old-timer, admittedly at this point, you grew up with a little thing at, after school called the Disney Afternoon. Now, this comprised of shows like The Gummy Bears and Darkwing Duck, um, Tailspin and DuckTales and Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, all just these wonderful, great cartoons from our childhood that we would watch, you know, every day, or many of us did. I I, I watched these things religiously, uh, and then after which, uh, Night Court would come on, and gosh, I can't even remember, I think then after Night Court, you finally were uh, treated with the news, but this was a daily occurrence for me, and a big part of my uh, uh, my childhood, so um, I decided, you know, there are a few of these games, you know, there are many games that were made for, um, for all these aforementioned shows, but... Um, a few of them are really expensive now, but rather than talk about you know some of these games that are admittedly very short and not much to them, I thought I'd just kind of cover them all in one episode and tell you whether or not I feel each and individual one is worth it, and a brief synopsis of each one. Um, they're basically all going to be action platformers with the exception of Tailspin. Now, all these games, you will notice, are made by Capcom, which back then Capcom was batting a thousand man. All the games that they made were great. You know, I can't really think of any Capcom game that wasn't good for the original Nintendo. So there is going to be a little bit of gushing about these, but I will eh, I will try and touch on it whether or not I didn't I thought any of these were kind of poor, but uh, spoilers a little bit, for the most part these are all just wonderful. Whether or not they're worth their current price is a different matter entirely. The first one I'm going to touch on will be DuckTales for the NES. It's probably the most well-known of all the uh, Disney games from the early days there. And it was released in 1989, again, by Capcom, and it was actually produced by the same key team that made the Mega Man series. And you know how much I love Mega Man already, and uh, this is not much different. It's, of course, a side-scrolling action platformer where you play the role of Uncle Scrooge, which, if you didn't watch the show or have never seen a Disney cartoon at all then i i don't know just turn off the podcast i don't even know who you are but um he's basically the richest duck in all of uh duckberg or the just the whole disney uh, universe he's like you know uh donald trump without all the bullshit and um anyway you play as him and you're trying to get back these treasures now i I I can't remember exactly why you're trying to assemble the treasures. I think one of them is uh your lucky dime, um etcetera etcetera all this different stuff that you need, you know. And um you're going after them, um, you know, Scrooge style with just armed with your cane. And um, you're able to use this cane in the first game by, by swinging it like a golf club that you can like hit items sometimes to either break them open, or maybe you can hit a block to hit it up in the air to hit another item, or... You, You can jump upon things using, I believe you jump and press down and you get a little pogo thrust that you can either jump on top of enemies, use it to jump higher to reach levels that you couldn't access normally, or uh, get across things like spikes and whatnot that would normally uh, damage you. You can safely bounce on them pogo style, which is really cool and a mechanic that you'll see later in uh, Shovel Knight that basically uh, stole it straight from DuckTales. Um, In this game, there are five levels, the African Mines, the Amazon, the Himalayas, Transylvania, and the Moon. And real quick, I don't know how long I'll play it, but I want to stop right here just to play some of the music from the Moon level. It is widely regarded as being some of the best NES music or just best video game music ever played. So I'm going to put that right here. So that was awesome. Um, still great. Uh, anyway, once you go through these five areas, which I should mention is Mega Man style, you can play any one of the areas you want to first. So if you want to go to the Amazon and then Transylvania and then the moon and then the Amazon mines, etc., mix and match any way you want to do it, you can do it. And then once you defeat all five areas and gather those um, treasures up, you have to go back to Transylvania and fight Dracula Duck who I don't remember him from the series. Maybe he was in it. I, I don't recall. I remember uh oh gosh, what was a? The, there was a spin-off kind of that was also a a duck that sucked blood and I can't remember his name now. But um anyway I digress. Um you defeat him and then you have to contend with uh Magica Dispel and Flintheart Glomgold. And um this is one of the only early Nintendo games that I can think of outside of, like, Maniac Mansion um, that had multiple endings, especially unique being that this is an action platformer. that's not something you normally get. So if you beat the game with any amount less than $10 million, you get the normal ending, what is known as the normal ending. If you beat the game with... Uh, 10 million dollars or more you get what is now known as the good ending and it took a while for people to be able to figure out that there was a different ending but it took even longer for people to realize there's a bad ending if you beat the game with no money at all now why it took people so long to do this is because it's almost impossible to get no money in this game almost every enemy is dropping diamonds which add to your money or they'll just sometimes be invisible diamonds you'll pogo off of or hit you know through swinging or whatever so very hard to beat the game with uh with zero money so it's almost actually a good ending in that it's it's probably harder to get the bad ending than it is the great ending so take that for what it's worth anyway this game has been cheap forever because it's just one of the most common nes games out there um everybody when i was a kid had a copy of this or if you didn't have a copy one of your friends certainly did everyone had played this as a child that i knew of and um This is still relatively easy to find, but because it is so popular, it has gained in monetary value somewhat. Oh, before I forget, I should, I would be remiss to mention that yes, this game has been remastered. You can uh, purchase it through your PS3, Xbox, I believe it's on Wii, I think it's on all the uh, last gen consoles, possibly the current gen consoles as well. Uh, I I can't really state as to whether or not it's a good game because I have not played it yet. Um... I've heard a mixed bag about that one. It, it's also been released, I should say, for the Game Boy. I do have that copy, and it runs virtually the same, uh, except the music isn't quite as tight, largely due to slowdown. The music chip in the Game Boy is actually more powerful, to my knowledge, than the one in the NES. Um, you can do some pretty neat stuff with it. But for some reason, when I get to the moon level, that music is real choppy, and I get a lot of slowdown and flicker and stuff. Um, still a good game. But anyway, the version for the NES, it's reached a price of about $23 to $25, somewhere in that area. Is it still worth that? I believe it is. If you're a Nintendo collector of any merit, you know, if you have 10 games in your collection, this should be amongst them. This is one of the best action platformers that, um you can possibly own for the system. It appears on many lists within the top five of the best games for the NES system. Uh, Just pick it up, guys. This is a great game. Now, it did garner a sequel... in 1993 also made by capcom now you're thinking 93 good god man you know the super nintendo had been out a while at this point you're right this is one of the last games that was made for the nintendo and as a result it's one of the harder games to find for the system because it didn't sell overly so when it came out as opposed to the first one there it's basically the same game mechanics and everything you you end up with the same sprite um that you had before with scrooge mcduck and he has a lot of the same moves uh the pogo jump is a little easier to perform in this one um and now you do have the ability to use your cane to access and pull levers and such uh there's like cannons that you can use to cause them to fire basically what you do is you'll swing your cane backwards with the cane hooked in into uh whatever item it is and then you kind of pull backwards to do whatever it is you need to do with that uh mechanic, lever, cannon, etc. Um, and you can also use that same idea by hanging from the bottom of your cane, using it as though it were a uh, like a hook to hang from hooks that are um, throughout the levels to jump from hook to hook and such, which wasn't an ability you had in the first one. And they also introduced uh, rafts that would take you across waterways and such. So pretty cool. You can also buy cane upgrades from uh Gyro Gearloose if you remember him from the show um that allow you to access new previously hidden areas and such. Uh like you can jump a little higher or what have you. Um also in in addition to searching for treasures on this one, you're searching for uh map pieces that you don't have to find, but if you do find, you can um Create a a map to find a sixth hidden area. Again, there are five areas in this game. Um, Niagara Falls, the Bermuda Bermuda Triangle, Egypt, Mu, and Scotland, and then a sixth hidden area that if you do collect all the map pieces, you'll be able to access, and um, it takes place in like a castle. Now, so because this game is a little... Um, more obscure, well, a lot more obscure than the first one. I will get into the story a little bit on this one. In this one, um, Huey somehow... Finds a piece of this treasure map and he runs up to Scrooge at the beginning of the game. He's like, "Scrooge, Scrooge, I've, I've, or Uncle, Uncle, whatever. I found this uh, piece of a treasure map and it's by this famous explorer by the name of Fergus McDuck." And uh, Scrooge, seeing this piece of the treasure map, is inspired to go and try and find the other pieces. Uh, he's unaware, however, that Flintheart Glomgold is also trying to uh, find this map, but. You go to all the areas throughout the game, and uh, each area has its own treasure that is guarded by, you know, an end boss, which is pretty atypical for the time. And uh, all all the stages are cleared. After all the stages are cleared, uh, Webby gets kidnapped by Glomgold and is held for ransom back in the Bermuda Triangle. So um, when Scrooge goes to save Webby after you, you know, defeat all these areas... Uh, and give him uh, the treasures, Glomgold is not actually Glomgold at all. He's this shape-shifting robot called the D-1000, and he's programmed to destroy Scrooge. But after you beat up on the D-1000, Glomgold uh, sinks the ship and tries to take Scrooge and its treasures with him. But Scrooge and Webby even manage to escape the ship, and the treasures go down with the vessels. But whatever, even despite this you know, loss, Scrooge begrudgingly admits that at least he and his family are safe, and their friendship and love is what really matters, you know. But uh, the treasures are then recovered by Launchpad McQuack, and that cheers everybody up. And the Lost Treasure, uh, if you find the Lost Treasure of McDuck as well, you, the aforementioned sixth area, then Scrooge reveals that he hid it from Glongo by putting it under his hat. However, if the player had no money left at all, abandoned, if, if at the end of the game you have, you know, no money at all, there is also a bad ending on this game as well, uh, in which Gloam Gold finds the lost treasure and is named the greatest adventurer in the world, which of course pisses the fuck out of Scrooge. So, again, with the multiple endings on this game, pretty cool stuff, um, if you can or haven't, definitely check it out again, emulate the bitch. Again, this game is really, really great, guys, um. Is it better than the first one? I don't know. Maybe it could be argued that it is because there are some new mechanics, there are some upgrades and such. Um, A little more playability because you can revisit areas as many times as you want throughout a single playthrough, so if you want to just get as much money as you can or the highest score you can, you know, areas aren't locked out after having played them. Um, It's a great game, but this, you know, I didn't look it up previous to the show, but last I checked... Copies of this were well over a hundred dollars, you know, I actually again, this is here here's you know Blaine talking about, oh well, I found this for fucking cheap as hell. I did. I found a complete copy of this, boxed everything. uh the box is a little rough, but whatever for uh five bucks, and it was one of those uh am I dreaming moments of my life, you know, I walk in and I see Ducktales too just sitting on a shelf you know, like it's blase. It's not in the glass counter or anything. And I think, okay. And I walk up and sure enough, it was box complete. And they had gotten in some other box complete games that day as well. I believe that same day I picked up a Shining Force for the Genesis box complete, Pirate's Gold with the map complete. You know, I got them all for like, three to five bucks a piece, you know. So pretty happy about that. The game is definitely worth that. Um, is it worth the, the $100 price tag or like the $300 price tag that a box complete copy would cost? No, it's just not. If you really have to experience this game, uh, you know, again, this is a little too expensive for me to recommend you just buy it to play it emulate it if you really like it after that then definitely find a copy you're not hurting anyone at this point in time by emulating these games capcom's not losing any money when you uh, purchase this game from a uh, a retro retailer or emulate it you know they they're not seeing any money from it so you're not really hurting anybody um again great game but not quite worth it <laughs> So the next game I'll talk about is Tailspin, which was released in 1991, of course, by Capcom. And it's based off of the animated series Tailspin, in which you play as, you know, Baloo the Bear. And in uh, this version, very much unlike Baloo that we know from uh, The Jungle Book, Baloo is a pilot that lives on an island who has a friend named Cloud Kicker, who's a little kid. And, you know what, this actually wasn't one of my favorite shows as a kid. Um, despite loving everything about aeronautics, you know, when I was a child, uh, none of you obviously know this, but, um, I started flying planes at a very early age. Uh, I had 300 hours logged in the air by the time I was seven. Um, it's something I haven't pursued much as an adult, unfortunately. It was a little more of my, uh, father's aspirations than mine, however, I do love to fly, and uh, you would think of all the Disney cartoons, this would be the one that I'd be most affiliated with. I did watch it, but it's not nearly as memorable as the others to me. Uh, anyway, in this game, like I said, you, you play as Baloo, and the story in this one revolves around the adventures of you and Kit Cloud Kicker, and you're trying to deliver cargo for Kit's mom, who's named... Rebecca Cunningham, uh, I don't, is it her mom? I think, it, I think it's Kit's mom. If it's not, it's like his caregiver or something. I don't know, Kit's a little kid that, you know, he's got like that little air skateboard thing that he flies around on. I don't know how that logistically works, but whatever. But Shere Khan is this, you know, tiger from, again, taken from the Jungle Book series. But in this one, he's like an evil tiger tycoon, and he wants to put Rebecca out of business. So he hires these air pirates led by Don Carnaghi, I think. Don Carnaghi? Yeah. I seem to remember he had this really bad um, French accent um, to, you know, do his dirty work and fight after you. So anyway, you're, you're trying to deliver cargo across the world while fighting the pirates. This is the one game that's not an action platformer. This is more of a shoot-em-up type game. And, uh, you get to control Baloo and his plane, the Sea Duck. Except, um, in the bonus levels where you get to control Kit on his, uh, I guess it's called an airfoil, which is like this uh, air skateboard thing. I don't know, it looked kind of like a boomerang to me, and it would fold up when he, like, slapped it against his leg or something. I don't remember, it was, it was kind of cheesy. Anyway, you get to fly around the airplane, and you shoot and dodge shit. Uh... It's a two-dimensional side-scroller. You can fly forward, vertically, backwards. And you can even flip upside down. Um, really not a lot to say about the game. Uh, I didn't get very far in it. Uh, I like shooters of the shooters for the NES. This isn't particularly one that I would recommend. Um, it's fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I didn't get past the first level. I just played a little bit around with it. I was like, okay, this kind of plays like swoon. Um, but it's less interesting to me it doesn't go for all that much money you'll uh, you know you'll be happy to know um i i think it's like a 10 to 15 dollar game last i checked but i really don't feel like it's worth it i mean if you're trying to collect all the capcom titles or if you're more nostalgic about uh baloo and kick cloud kicker etc then maybe maybe you get into this but um This one just really wasn't for me. If I'm looking for a shooter on the NES, I'm more likely to pick up like Galaga or um, something like that. Well, next up, we have another platformer, unsurprisingly, uh, based on Darkwing Duck, which not everyone remembers this one. Uh, It wasn't quite as popular as uh, your DuckTales or your Rescue Rangers or what have you. But I, of all these, identify the most with this character. He's uh, obviously a duck and set in the universe of um, uh, DuckTales because uh, there are some Characters that transcend both genres, in particular, or not genres, both uh, series, in particular, uh, Launchpad and McQuack is uh, is prevalent in both, um, being uh, Darkwing Duck's personal pilot as well as uh, Scrooge McDuck's and. Um, uh giz is a gizmo duck uh blathering blatherskite that guy the the guy that's uh you know turns into a super himself does appear sometimes as well and there may be some other crossovers that you know i'm just not remembering at this moment but um this one plays a lot like Mega Man, and when i say you know a lot Uh, Most of these games do to an extent play like Mega Man this one a little more so it's actually said to have been based off the Mega Man 5 engine it was released in 1992 June here in the United States and it also had a port to the Game Boy the following year. It's pretty standard fare, Uh, much like Mega Man, you can choose which stage you want to go to at the beginning of the game. Uh, Instead of having all of them available to you, however, there are only three available, and then once you defeat those three, you're able to go on to an additional three, and once those are defeated, you can go on to the final level uh, to fight Steelbeak uh, to win the game. Now, I've never gotten nearly that far. This game is relatively uh, difficult. I have beaten the first three, and gone on to the next uh incarnations although i don't remember which three of those are off the top of my head now i know in the first ones you can f- the first three you can fight uh, the dog that's made of water and uh, the the joker type character um and i uh, forget the third one but anyway it's as i said pretty standard fair dark darkwing himself can um jump and shoot a gas gun with standard gas pellets Or he can find, throughout his travels, other gas pellets, you can find uh, Thunder, Heavy, and Arrow. The Thunder gas pellet is the one I use the most, or like to use the most, because it shoots a uh, a lightning bolt diagonally, both downward and upwardly. And then the Heavy drops a gas ball that will travel along the ground and can sometimes uh, subsequently attack things beneath you on, uh, you know, certain levels uh the the fight with uh the joker character um or the joker duck or whatever i can't remember his name something quack but anyway uh that 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 came in play a little bit but i actually once i replayed it a few times i realized that thunder was actually uh more reliably able to be used because you could attack him when he was above you as well that particular fight he uh, jumps level to level and and runs across the screen and you have to jump level to level as well so um and he'll drop things on you or throw things up at you. But anyway, I digress. Um, you you also uh, can only carry one of these canisters at any given time, or one type of canister, rather. And they uh, deplete as you, uh, you know, use the gas canisters, whereas your main gas gun is infinite. Um, the others are very finite. And if you, say, grab a heavy or an arrow, and by the way, arrow shoots, you know, an arrow across the screen, um, then it will change over a uh, say, Contra or whatever, so that the previous weapon is mysteriously disappeared and been replaced by this new one. Now, um, Darkwing also has uh, another ability in which he's able to raise his cape, uh, Dracula style, uh, if you've ever seen the show, where he kind of Peeks out from the over top of his uh his forearm that's you know nose level uh, holding his cape, then you'll know the uh, pose i'm talking about, and when he's in this pose, certain projectiles will be able to uh not be deflected but will bounce off his cape and you will receive no damage other than that he really doesn't have a lot of abilities. he can jump and grab certain items and stuff pretty pretty standard platforming here um overall, a very very good game. Um, I find it to be very challenging, it's a lot of fun. I can't uh, say much about the Turbo TurboGrafx-16 version of this game, I'm told it's a very different game and uh, not at all the good game that uh, the, the NES port was. Um, now this port I did buy a few years ago reluctantly because it was like 10 bucks and I normally will not spend that much on an NES game unless I really, really want it. And this game did have some nostalgia for me, so begrudgingly I ponied up the $10. Now I'm glad I did because in the last couple years this apparently has gone up. Uh, You can still find them for $40 or $50 on eBay and the like. I'm not sure that I would pay that much for this game but it is very good and if you are a collector of you know just good platformers for the nes this is one you probably do want to have in your collection um in the very least try it out on mame if you have any nostalgia whatsoever for mr darkwing um, this is a very good game We have probably the only one that might be considered to be as good as or better than the DuckTales series, Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Now this is a very very popular series, it's a very very popular game. Um, almost again everyone that I knew growing up had a copy of this or uh, one of your friends in the very least yeah, had a copy and you, you had played it at some point in your childhood. Most everyone, I think, listening to this has played this game. But if you haven't, I'll explain very briefly as per the, like, storyline gameplay. Basically, um, you play as Chip and Dale, who uh, are respectively chipmunk versions of um, uh, Indiana Jones and Magnum P.I. And uh, they have, like, this investigation service where they will... Uh, investigate you know little things for animals typically in the show and the game is no different there's a missing cat named Mandy that uh, the rangers are hired to go and uh, find and they only learn and after having saved the cat that it was a ruse by their arch nemesis known as Fat Cat who is quite literally this giant fat cigar smoking cat um so that he could kidnap Gadget who is uh this little mouse that invents stuff for you in in the cartoon series. She invents uh, a blimp with a toothpaste bottom and a, like a balloon for a top and other kooky-ass shit. Um, really cool, though. I'm, I don't mean to downplay it. I mean, it was really cool. Uh, you also have two other members of the team in uh, Monterey Jack, who is a rather uh, large Australian mouse who um, goes crazy when he smells cheese and in the game uh, he knocks down certain barricades for you when you find a piece of cheese, uh, he'll appear out of nowhere and run blindly into it often or always in the game, uh, knocking stuff over, punching a hole in a wall or whatever you need to get to. Uh, The other member is Zipper and he's uh, probably my favorite character in the series, Um, he's a fly. And, you know, in the series, he doesn't say anything. He just zips around and makes little noises. And in the game, um, when you find his icon, you're granted temporary invincibility. Now, the rangers themselves aren't without, you know, means of protecting themselves. They, uh, they can jump and uh, pick up items, um, including, like, boxes... Um, steel boxes, uh, both of which you can actually duck into. If when they pick them up, they hold them above their head. Uh, and if you press down while holding a box, they'll actually duck into the said box, and you can kind of see these little eyes poking out very cutely. And if an enemy runs into you while you're like this, it'll destroy the box, but it won't take any health away from you, as you do have only uh, three three hits. You're dead kind of thing. Um, and then uh, you can also pick up like. Apples and balls and and all these different things, and you you know throw them ahead of you um, and they'll deal damage to the enemy. Uh, you can also if you're playing two-player mode and this is probably the most frustrating and fun thing to do about the game is you can pick up your partner and throw them either off a cliff or into the enemies or or what have you and you get a really neat animation with the other chipmunk upside down kicking and screaming um, trying you know let me down kind of animation is really cute uh, and something that we did endlessly as children would you know grab the other guy and throw him into a hole or whatever and then when you respawn you'd do the same back to them and uh, cause for a very a very short game, but a very fun one. Um, now this one, much like virtually every other game I've named except Tailspin, plays very much like Mega Man in that you can uh, choose at the beginning of the game uh, which level you want to play first, uh, or, or do you? You know what, I might be talking out my ass. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think you do, but anyway... If it doesn't, I do apologize. Um, but anyway, it does play very much like Mega Man in that it's an action platformer. Uh, it very well could also run off one of these uh, Mega Man engines. Um, this one's relatively short. I remember as a kid, I you know I beat a lot of games, but I remember this one uh, I rented and beat you know, real quick, like within the first hour or two that I had rented it, you know, which is testament to how fun it was, because, you know, uh, a lot of times within an hour or two I would get bored of a game. Um, But this one held my attention. And, uh, yeah, I I beat it, and I remember, you know, even after having done so, I I played it many more times. I do remember the last boss, Fat Cat, uh, very hilariously um, is just kind of standing above you, and his attack... Uh, Rather than, you know, swiping a giant cat paw at you or something of the like, is to uh, flick his ashes from his sakar down onto you. Luckily, there is a steel ball in the same room that you can reuse to continuously uh, hit him over and over. He's actually one of the easier last bosses I've ever fought in a game, Uh, but he is animated really well, as is the rest of the game. It is just gorgeous. Um, I don't know what else to say about the game. It's really great. This is a really popular game, it sold about 1.2 million copies, I'm told, so not a rare game whatsoever, it is one that virtually every collector wants to have in their collection because it is one of the best uh, action platformers for the system, Um, and as such, it it does cost a little bit of money, but not too extravagant, you can usually find these for 15 to 20 bucks when they um, sell, so, you know, I, I would say definitely get this one for your system if you don't own one. Uh, failing that of course go and play this is another just great great title by Capcom now there is a second game Okay, let's talk a little bit about the second Rescue Rangers title for the original Nintendo. This one was released in 1994, which, yeah, really late in the system's life, so there's that. Now, there was some confusion earlier about the um, the linear, not linear nature of Rescue Rangers 1. Turns out, Rescue Rangers 1 isn't linear you can choose which area you want to go to next, uh, kind of like Capcom's Buying a Commando, where you have a few choices, whereas Rescue Rangers 2 is completely linear outside of one level, the amusement park. And uh, on that level, you can play the, uh, the three uh, initial levels in any order you wish, and then the, the last level you have to play on its own. Um, there's not a lot different between this game and the other game. Um, the one major difference that uh, that is of note is you can pick up your uh, in two player mode, you can pick up your buddy and throw him as you could in the first game, but this time if you do so, he can be used as a weapon and not take damage. So you're always basically on two player mode carrying around a weapon with you. Now there's really not a lot to get into as far as story mode of this game. It's a a Rescue Rangers title, guys. Um, It's basically just another action platformer that plays a lot like Mega Man or Darkwing Duck or any of the other games I've mentioned. And it's great. It really is. Now, uh, this one's, you know, as I said earlier, games that came out in the later years of the Nintendo's life cycle are are just ridiculous in price for the most part. I mean, Wario's Woods, I believe, is the last released uh, Nintendo game, and you can still get re- it relatively cheap. But that's Wario's Woods, and this is Rescue Rangers. I mean, Rescue Rangers is a beloved title, and uh, as such, a lot of people want the second one. Now, I did pick mine up. Once again, super cheap. I think I paid 3.95. dollars I actually found this game... The same day, I bought Jetsons, uh, Cogswell's Caper, and um, Gosh, Zombie Nation, which I've since traded towards Panzer Dragon Saga. But um, I got them all the same day, uh, and um, it ended up getting one three because back then it was like buy two get one free, and they were all like three ninety-five, four bucks, something like that. So you know, back then I I, I knew I had made a good. You know, this is seven years ago, maybe. I knew I'd made a good buy, but back then it was like, oh, I spent, you know, uh, six or eight bucks or whatever uh, to get $30 worth of games or maybe even 40 uh, because, you know, they were all about 20 bucks a piece back then. And now, you know, Jetsons is over 100 Um Zombie Nation is now well over 200 and so is Rescue Rangers. Uh, would I pay $200 for this game? I would not. I wouldn't pay anywhere close to $200 for this game. It's effectively the same game that you would get in Rescue Rangers. Uh, think of it as you know additional levels for the first game. Very minor tweaks here and there. Uh, some might even say it's not as good because of the uh, linear nature of it. So no, don't don't go and pay $200 for this game, unless of course you're just you know J.D. Rockefeller and uh, have to collect everything, or maybe you know you just are specifically a capcom collector or a disney collector and you just have to have it all i would recommend not spending that kind of money for this game just stick with the first one and if you you know want more then you know this is a nintendo game and it's easily emulatable so there's that now there are a number of other disney titles for the um the nes but none of them appeared on the uh you know disney afternoon the aforementioned uh show that I grew up with or a series of shows um I I do have Aladdin for or not the Aladdin the Jungle Book which we talked about I have that for um the original NES I have Aladdin as well with that Super Nintendo Genesis um it's it's not very good I I couldn't get into the Jungle Book um it's not produced by Capcom so it's no surprise it's not you know a great game because uh most all games that are uh Disney titles not produced by Capcom are pretty piss poor. I want to say um Mickey's Capade is also not a Capcom joint, although it may be, but maybe just one of their like earlier uh, games or something, but it's it's again it's not that bad. I actually uh, had a chance to replay it not too long ago. I was just trying out various games in my collection and playing them for, you know, 10-20 minutes kind kind of re-acquaint myself to their mechanics and whatnot so I can, you know, remember them better. And it's not the worst game, but it's certainly built for, uh, with children in mind. Graphically, it wasn't very good. Uh, it, it played pretty well, you know, the, the controls didn't feel bad or floaty or anything like that. So it was just meh, but, um, There's also another Capcom game uh, or two not mentioned, again, because they're not in the uh, Disney Afternoon, but you have The Little Mermaid, which is, you know, whatever. I I own a copy. It's pretty good, you know, it's kind of like an action platformer, except, of course, it takes place underwater, Um, maybe more akin to Tailspin than not. Uh, I only spent a few minutes on it, and it it seems fine, It, it would be a game, you know, if I was growing up, and it was uh, one of the five games I had at the time or something. I'm sure I would have put countless hours onto it, but it was not, so as such, you know, whatever. I'm not a huge Little Mermaid fan, even though I know every song word for word Well, don't ask. I was in a high school production of The Little Mermaid, but yeah. Anyway, um... There's also uh, Adventures in the Magic Kingdom, which is quite good. It has a series of mini-games that you can play, ranging from, you know, the, uh, not, uh, was it Space Mountain? I don't know. One of the roller coasters, you know, the Haunted House, all the main attractions of the Magic Kingdom. Uh, you're looking for keys in these different areas, and each little mini game plays a little differently. And it, again, is very nonlinear in that you can choose in which you know order you want to play them all and what have you. And I remember, you know, it's, it's a pretty good game. I played it a little bit as a kid. Uh, one of my friends that had, you know, 100 games when I was a kid uh, to my five had this. And this was one that, uh, you know, I borrowed from time to time from him. Um, there may be a couple others I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But um, basically, you can't go wrong with Capcom games of this era. Um, So, you know, if you see anything Disney Capcom, go ahead and probably pick that up if it's cheap. Uh, I do want to mention real quick or talk a little bit about um, an event that's going to be happening. uh, I believe it's April 2nd and 3rd. Uh, it's early April anyway, which is an event that I uh, talked about last year as well. I've never failed to miss it. It's called Super BitCon, and it's taking place in Oklahoma City. It's put on by um, uh, the Retro Gamer Society guys. Um, I did want to contact one of them and get an interview, uh, but basically because just life got in the way and um, and laziness to an extent on my part, but I... To be fair, uh, I have been working 60-hour weeks the past uh, two months due to uh, a coworker getting injured, so I'm basically the only person at work at this time, so I'm really uh, struggling to find any free time. But I wanted to get him on the horn and talk to him a little bit about an event. It's a great event. Um, you'll find all kinds of vendors there. You can haggle with, bring games with you to trade. There's always Magic the Gathering tournaments going on and such. I was able last year to trade in uh, games and cards to get a lot of the titles that I thought I would never be able to get. There's always um, pseudo-famous people that are there. Um, I don't think we've ever not had Alpha Omega Sin or uh, Pro Jared, they're probably going to be there again. The Game Chasers, uh, Thor Ackerland, the winner of the 1990 uh, World Championships of Nintendo, uh, was there the first year and will likely be there again, I'm sure, because I I believe he's out of Texas. Um, This year, we're having Phil Moore from Nick Arcade. If you remember that guy, he's going to be there signing autographs, and I believe he's going to do like a little interview and stuff. There's all kinds of stuff going on with this thing. So if you happen to be able to go, if you're in the Oklahoma City area or able to drive, you know, however far it is to get there, I would recommend going. It's cheap. It's like twenty bucks or something for a all day pass, you know, I think it is two days long. But um I've I've always had a really great time. I will be there. Um just look for a, a guy that's obnoxiously tall with a large beard and um Probably be sporting a Castlevania shirt or some such. Uh, You know, you'll you'll see me around. Glasses, tall, beard, uh, aging, (laughs) and uh, yeah. If you see me, just come up and uh, say, "Hey, man, you know, I'd love to meet you. Maybe we can get a beer or something." Anyway, um, that is about all I have for the show. I do want to, as always, shout out my. Good friends over at the RPG Show—they were on the last episode with me. I did the Paladins episode, uh, Paladins Quest episode with them uh, last month. Currently, they're on their Final Fantasy seven episodes, and they're going in depth on just about everything you could ever want to hear about with that game. So definitely check that out. Um, Also, I want to shout out the Retro League, which is a show that I've been listening to for seven or eight years. I did contact them recently and ask them if they wanted to possibly be on the show, and they responded with a resounding yes, so that is something that I will be working out with them in the future, I hope. Um, uh, yeah, if you want to contact me, as always, I'm at RetroKel on Twitter. Um, that's K-H-E-L. Uh, you can send me a line via email at uh, Simmon Belmont, that's Simmon with an E, at Outlook.com. Um, yeah, that's about it, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Dun oh, yeah. oh, yeah.